And here's the bad thing is I'm going, stop on sticky note. I remember that one. Stop on sticky note. It's supposed to be in our bulletin of what pay it forward is, but I think it's the same thing as our pay it backward thing that we want to uh, do a random act, and it's not the bulletin. Why would I think it would be there? Um, Anyway, that's, uh, you know, we're talking about Fort Jones County and and paying for the people behind you as you go through line and uh, just sort of kind of make their day by doing something nice for them. And then they see your Fort Jones County sticker on the back of your car, which I am certain you all have. And if you do not have one, we've got some in the vestibule that we're more than happy to give to you. And that uh, folks will see that, and then you get to have a conversation with them. And that's the goal of everything, is to have a conversation with folks. Not to give them a piece of paper or something like that, but to have a conversation to help folks know who Jesus is. And don't have to go into crazy detail, just... Tell the story. So that's what we want to do. That's a good thing. We do want to reemphasize what Bo was talking about, the community celebration service. We've, when we have the Thanksgiving services, everybody says, we ought to do that more than once. So we're going to do it more than once. We're going to do it twice. And we're going to do it on May the 6th. It'll be at Greenwood. Bo and Reason will be preaching. Uh, they're going to share 30 minutes. It's not that each one of them are going to have, you know, it, it, it will be reasonable and it's all going to be themed around young people. So would uh, would love to see you May the 6th at 6 p.m. at Greenwood. If you would like to sing in the community choir, uh, it's sort of a Boston tabernacle kind of, Brooklyn tabernacle kind of thing. If you'd like to sing in that, please come. You can see that is in the bulletin. I saw that this morning. Uh, the times for the rehearsals, you do not have to come to every one of them. And the rehearsals themselves are just a bunch of fun because you've got a bunch of people that don't know each other that suddenly get to know each other, and it's pretty cool. So there you go. Uh, we want First Baptist to be a place where people find Jesus and give Jesus away. And one of the things we do when we find Jesus is we find ourselves being close friends with people in the church. We have abused a word in the church, and we've abused the word fellowship. Fellowship in our world tends to involve food. We're going to have a fellowship. Who's going to bring what? That's not fellowship. Fellowship is being friends with one another in such a close, compassionate way that when somebody's hurting, you don't even, they don't even have to tell you. You can tell. When somebody's happy, you can tell. And we become close like that. So what we want this morning is for our members to remember that as a part of finding Jesus at church, we find that closeness with one another. We have friends within the body of Christ. And for those of you who are our guests this morning, we want you to feel like you've come to a very friendly place this morning. I pray that our folks will reach out to you, get to know who you are, and I pray that when you leave today, this will feel like you have been at home and that you have found Jesus. And part of giving Jesus away is doing the will of service. Making sure that we do things in the community for Jesus that people will start asking questions. The world cannot be different if the church remains the same. And we don't want to do that. We want to represent Jesus everywhere we go. I want to thank you for being here this morning. There's a million places you could be. It's a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous spring morning. The weather is just right for the first time in what? Five, six years it didn't rain on Sunday morning. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day, and yet you have chosen to come here this morning, 
And I thank you for doing that. And I pray that God will bless you for making the sacrifice this morning to come to his house. Let's join with uh, each other in prayer. Father, this morning I pray that, that, that we as the body of Christ would function as the body of Christ. That each one of us would realize the, that we were brought into this place on purpose. That 1 Corinthians 12 telling us that we all have a job. And help us, Lord, to, 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 to understand that, not in terms of sacrificial, painful work, but in terms of joy and in terms of loving one another and caring for one another, being friends with one another, Lord. Help us to do that here. Father, I pray for those that are visiting with us this morning and for those who are attending and for the members that come every week, that this morning we would hear Jesus, that this morning the Holy Spirit would awaken us, and that we would hear something that would cause us to leave this place joyfully. Lord, we love you, and we want so much to know more of you. And we think, Lord, that we don't know enough, and I'm certain that we're right. Open our eyes, Lord, that we would see Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers, for loving us enough to let us speak with you. And Lord, we pray in this hour that our worship would make you glad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, I think you can get a little blessing out of Richard Robinson too, don't y'all think so? Good job, brother. Uh, I do need to apologize real quick. The, uh, the wheel of service was in this week's bulletin. As every good Baptist, I had stored several bulletins in my Bible and I pulled out the wrong one, but it's there. And for those of us in the uh, sanctuary, it was pay it forward. It said, think about the last time someone did something nice for you and find a way to do something nice for somebody else. Pay it forward. So that's, that's what that is, but you can still pay it backwards and all that kind of stuff because of Fort Jones County, and we're going to move on now because I hate making mistakes and I find it embarrassing. Moving along. Uh, we're going to have the same scripture this week that we had last week. I don't have my coat on. I got my sleeves rolled up because I feel like this morning we're going to be talking about something that we've got to work on just a little bit. Some of you are going to listen to it and you go, well, I've heard all that before and I'm really going to be sad when you walk out that way. I truly am because what this scripture has yelled at me is that God honors us, he blesses us now in this moment, in this time, that Christian life is not supposed to be a drudgery, it's not supposed to be something that you do because it's your duty, but you are supposed to get something out of it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Same scripture as last week, it's long, and I'm going to read every last verse of it. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 20. Last week, we did point number one, this week we're going to do points two and three. I wanted to do them all at one time, but y'all can't sit still for an hour and a half. You get all fidgety. So we're going to do two and three this morning. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36, and I'm reading from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. Now some Greeks were among... <clears throat> Don't start. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival... So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus replied to them, The hour has come. 
for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who lives his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me for this hour? But that's why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it, and it said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken <clears throat> An angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded, This voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Then the crowd replied to him, We've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. As for me, he said, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. I hope that when you heard that, a little trigger went off in the back of your head that you've heard that before because that's my verse. That is my verse. I mean, you have people have life verses and all this. Uh Uh-uh. This is the verse. This is the purpose. This is my reason right here. It's the power behind what I do. It's why I do what I do. If it wasn't for that verse, I'd go out and get a regular job and do regular things and be just as happy as a person could be, but that verse stops that. If it wasn't for that verse, I'd never given up my job at AT AT&T to become a pastor. When I left the pastorate the first time in 1998, I would have never driven by the First Baptist Church of Gray on the way to see my in-laws at Lake Sinclair and looked at this church and said to myself, I'd love to preach there one day were it not for this verse. Were it not for this verse, I would not have sat in pews listening to other preachers preach and almost commit the sin of envy that I wanted to be where they were standing and I always when I was listening to them except for a very few men I have always thought I could do a better job than what they were doing because that's just the way you are when you're listening to somebody else do something because of this verse this verse is the simplicity of the gospel This verse is the good news that we talk about. This is the good news that we sing about. This is why we are here. This verse is the verse that gives hopeless people hope. This is where the power of the entire scripture is found in this verse. If I am lifted up. Now, in my world, English is is not a very efficient language. What we have to do in English is we have to put out our idea, and then we have to put all these modifiers around it to try to explain. But in other 
In other cultures and other languages, they'll have a word that has some nuances around it that sort of expresses this full idea. And this is one of those places. It is literally translated, lifted up. That word literally means that, but it means more. It's not just lifted up. It means to be exalted. Listen now. Listen and understand what it's saying. It, it means to be exalted. It means to be raised to a position, listen, of opulence and prosperity. He's going to be lifted up on a cross. And Jesus uses a word here that says he will be exalted, that he'll be raised up to a position of opulence and prosperity, that he's going to be raised up to a position of dignity and honor and happiness. He's going to be raised up on a cross, and this is how Jesus is describing that cross, that when I'm lifted up on this cross, I will be exalted, I'll be prosperous, I'll be in a position of opulence, I'll be in a position of dignity and honor, and I will be in a position of happiness on this cross. That's what he sees in this. Now, we've got to try to dig past all of the sermons this morning, put stuff out of your head and try to think specifically about Jesus going to the cross and try to see it fresh. He said, if, if I am lifted up, he's not speaking simply, literally. Yeah, he's going to be lifted up on a cross beam and he's going to be set on a cross, but he means more. He's saying here that he is, this is his purpose. This is why he came. I kept hearing this phrase this week. He did not come to make you a better you. A better you is still you. And we ain't much. He came to make you new. Not better. New. Because you were dead. And he has come to give new life. And the only way he could do that is to go to this cross, lifting him up. For him, this humiliating, disgusting, shameful act is the epitome of dignity and honor and joy. And Jesus wants the joy. Let this, this is the point, and it's going to run throughout everything we talk about. Jesus did what he did for the joy that was coming. The joy is what motivated his action. It's why he went through with the cross. Now, you can look at this and you can say incorrectly that Jesus is doing this simply because it is his duty. You look at verse 27 that says, Now my soul is, soul is troubled. And you all remember from Easter morning when we talked about Lazarus, Jesus' soul was troubled there as well. And we looked that word up and what that word troubled means is that we have in us an inward commotion. We have a lack of a calmness of mind within us. You felt that. You felt that. Because you've said this, and I've said this, and we've all said this, and we all, it's all heartfelt when we did it. I know God's got this, but, right? I can't stop worrying. I can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop, I keep going back to the word worry. I can't stop worrying about my kids are on the other side of creation. I can't help them if something goes wrong. I can't stop 
thinking about that. I can't stop thinking about, we've got church members in the hospital and we're praying for them and we're praying that God heals them, but I can't stop thinking about all the things that they have against them. I know that God is in control, but, and we've all done that. Every last one of us have done that, that unsettling that we have in our soul. There's, there's only two kinds of people in the room right here. The ones of you that will admit that you've done it and the ones that lie about it and say, I've never done that before, but you know you have because that's who we are. And Jesus had that unsettling in his soul. He was troubled and it's okay because see, Jesus is about to face 96 hours of the most gruesome pain that a human being could go through. He said, Father, what, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But that's why I came. And you could say from this statement, <clears throat> you could say from this statement that Jesus understood his duty and he was simply doing his duty. You could say from that statement that Jesus understood that he had a duty and he was going to do that duty regardless. And we've been raised, many of us have been raised that we have a Christian duty, that we should do these things, that they will probably be unpleasant, but you got to do them anyway because that's your Christian duty. And we're wrong to think that way. Jesus did his duty, but he didn't just soldier through it simply because it was a task that was required to be done. Jesus went through this and did this for the joy that was coming, for the reward that he was going to receive. Oh, that sounds bad to us. But I want you to listen to this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us run, second part of 1, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author, the source, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus endure the cross? Why did he very obviously despised the shame. He did it for the joy that was set before him. Jesus received satisfaction from what he did. He knew that once he endured this, that he was going to go to heaven. He knew that he was going to sit at the right hand of the Father. But he knew the power that was going to be unleashed on this planet when he did that, the satisfaction that he knew that he was going to receive, that satisfaction outweighed the suffering that he was about to go through. That explains every martyr that has ever lived. The satisfaction of knowing what was on the other side, the satisfaction of knowing the honor that, we were gonna, that we're going to receive from God. Jesus knew before the cross came, he knew the misery he was going to endure, but he knew that there was going to be a cataclysmic, y'all have got to get this. He, he knew the power that he was going to unleash on this world would be something that we couldn't comprehend that was going to be bigger than any of us. I use the word cataclysmic in my notes. A cataclysmic power that was going to change 
everything, and he was filled with joy because of it. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Jesus knows that when he dies, an un- listen to the words I'm using, the uncontainable, uncontrollable, unstoppable power is going to be unleashed on his creation. There is nothing that can stop what he is about to unleash on this world. He knew that Satan would no longer be able to kill his people. Remember what we talked about, I think it was last week, that what Satan wants to do is when we're confronted with the cross, we either have to accept Jesus deny Jesus or just make no decision which is the same thing as denying Jesus and what Satan wants to do is to have us dead so that that's one more finger that he can poke in God's face and say see I've got one more see I've I've removed one more of your people you think you're so powerful look what I'm doing and Jesus says when he dies those people can't even be held in death anymore. The people that trust Jesus as Savior, nothing can separate them. Not death, nothing. He knew that we'd struggle with sin, but he knew that we weren't captive to sin. We make ridiculous statements like, I had to do that. No, we don't. No, we don't. By the power of the cross, we have the power to look at something that's sinful and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not in bondage anymore. Nothing can chain me down. I am free. He knew that when he completed this horrific task, that his creation would be set free, and he felt joy because of that. Joy, gladness. That word also transfer, translates as a calm delight. Jesus had emotion over this. He was going to receive something from this. He received a reward. And the thing that he poured out on us is freedom. Freedom. No more are we under bondage. No more do we have all these things to hold us in place. He set us free. And this delighted Jesus to no end. His creation, the world that he created, right? In the beginning was the word. Nothing was created that wasn't created through him. His creation that was corrupted at Eden was made brand new at the cross. This creation was no longer in slavery to sin and darkness. He is on the road to a new heaven and a new earth and a, and, and a glory that we can only imagine. He set it all up and he's ready to go. Listen. Man, y'all got to get this. When there are people that you care about that have made horrible decisions in their lives, and they, I don't know, they're, 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 they're done drugs, they've, their hair's fallen out, their teeth are rotten because of meth usage, they've lost their children, they've lost everything they own, And you look at them and you'd give anything for them to change and you think they'll never change. And then one day, right time, right place, they meet Jesus and they are changed. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Listen, let me tell you something. That's why we're for Jones County. Let me me lay a little something on you here. We talk about for Jones County and we talk about 
all of these strangers that are out there in Jones County. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that every one of us has enough people on our heart that we hurt for and that we care for that if we reached out to them, somebody in this church and God touched them, we, couldn't, we wouldn't have enough room in this church in two services to contain them. What? You got nobody you don't care for? You've got nobody in your life that your heart doesn't break for? We all have those people. And that's who we're for. And we know that there is one answer that will change them. And that's Jesus. When he is lifted up on the cross, those people have a chance. Now, if you're a thinking person, this might be bothering you just a little bit. It bothered me. You see, I was raised with a notion that Jesus went to the cross out of a selfless sacrifice. That it was drudgery all the way through. He sweated drops of blood because he didn't want to go through with this thing. And, 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 and he talked about here, what do I say, Father, that I want to do this? The very reason I came. I did it, he did it because he was duty-bound. Whether he liked it or not, this is what he had to do. And I was raised so that if there was something that needed to be done and I hated the idea of doing it, I had to do it anyway because it was my Christian duty. And that probably most of the stuff that I was going to do in the church were going to be things that I didn't necessarily enjoy or didn't get anything out of, but I had to do them because they were my duty. And my reward would be heaven one of these days, but right now... Just do your duty, and the fact that you did your duty will be honor enough. And then you hear Jesus say things like this, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Got to hate this life. I got to hate it. Let me help you all understand what hate is. I mean, this is sort of but hate. Have you ever heard? Of chow chow relish. You ever heard of that stuff? Oh my word, if you're like my daddy and you love that stuff, I'll pray for you tonight with all of my heart, Grant Loser. I promise I'll pray for you. Let me tell you something chow chow relish is vomit in a jar. That is the nastiest stuff that has ever been made. You can take paint off of furniture with chow chow relish. Do you know how President Trump has set this thing up in North Korea? He told Kim Jong-un that we put chow chow relish on the tip of a missile and we were going to shoot it into North Korea. And he said, we surrender. The nastiest stuff I have ever put. I hate that stuff. And when I go somewhere, I went somewhere once and this lady's prize relish, when they passed it around the table, I got it scooted right by me. You know, she wasn't looking, and I passed it over real quick. And I'm almost through eating and thinking I've hit a home run, that I'm going to make it. And she looked, and she said, oh, pastor, you didn't get any of my prize winning relish. And she plopped a dollop on my, I smiled while I ate it, but I'm telling you right now, it was the grace of God that it was able to go down and not come back up again. I hate that stuff. And I believe that we all have things in our lives that, that pull a very negative emotion. We hate 
these things. And that's the word that Jesus uses here is he says to hate, to hate our lives. How can I do that other than to find things that I should do and just power through them? to be stoic and just power through these things with absolute determination. You know what? You can't do it. I think there's very few people on this earth that can be true, honest-to-goodness stoics that can just power through anything, and I think the rest of us can't do that. And I don't think God expects you to. Jesus expects us to operate just like he did. He expects us to exchange a lesser valued item for a higher valued item. Do you understand? He expects us to exchange a lesser valued item for a higher valued item. In other words, he expects us to get something out of following him. He expects us to look forward to the reward. He expects us to look forward to heaven, but he also expects us to look forward to right now. We are not to do selfless service simply as the fulfillment of a duty. We do what we do with an eye toward the outcome and a keen desire for the reward. Hebrews again. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who who draws near to him must believe that he exists and what? Somebody say it out loud. You've heard it before. He rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek. Well, pastor, that's heaven, right? Pie in the sky and sweet by and by. Yeah, part of it's heaven. But let's pick this verse apart here. He says, if anyone anyone serves me, y'all follow me, stay awake, look up here. If Andy does that, I keep telling you, that's really a cool thing. And I've watched some other guys that are Andy Stanley followers, and they do the same thing. That's all the rage. Look up here, look up here, look up here. It used to be Charles Stanley, listen, and that's where I got that from, and it's just the way it is, and I'm sorry. But here we are. I want you to listen. I got you, so listen. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now pick this thing apart. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. That is present tense. That's present tense. Serve him now. Follow Jesus now. Where I am... There my servant also will be. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. When he's in heaven, we'll be in heaven. Go to Ephesians. You'll see how that all works out. But he's also talking present tense right here. If we are following Jesus, we will be where he's working. How many of y'all did? Don't raise your hands. Just think about it in your head. Years ago, Henry Blackaby had a study called, called Experiencing God. And what he told you to do in that book, when he's talking about experiencing God, doing God's will, he said, see where Jesus is working, see where God is working, and join him there. Now, we've started doing for Jones County, right? We started doing for Jones County. So I've started looking around a little bit more. And you know what I've noticed? I've noticed that Jesus is working in our school system. 
You can say whatever you want to and we can listen to all the news about all these horrible teachers we've got out there that are leading our kids astray. But when I look at the Jones County school system, I see a lot of teachers out there whose heart belongs to the Lord and whose children belong to their heart and they're doing everything they can to lead these children in the right place. I hear that. I see that. I see Jesus working in our community. And if that's the case, then we've got to get up off our cushions. You thought I was going to say something else. Get up off our cushions and join him where he's working. That's what we've got to do. When we see him, Sunrise Ministries. I've talked about it. I'm finally getting to a point where I'm going to pick a Friday a month and I'm going to go volunteer down at Sunrise Ministries because you know what? Those people down there are a little bit Pentecostal, but they pray with people and people's lives are changed all the time. Why aren't I down there? Because where he's working, that's where I will be, present tense. Present tense. If anyone, listen, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Serve is present tense. Honor is present tense. It is not future tense. It's not heaven when you die. He's going to honor you now, this minute, in this life. He's going to do it right now. How will he do that? Now listen to me. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Because this is, listen to me. I said that. He will honor us by showing, I believe this with all of my heart, he will honor us by showing us things we had no idea could happen this side of heaven. We don't believe that, but I believe it, I know it, and I'm dying to see it. He will honor us <clears throat> by showing us things that we had no idea could happen this, kind of, this side of heaven, and because we see these things, we will have joy I want to read you something from somebody that's a whole lot smarter than me his name's C.S. Lewis in case that name doesn't ring a bell think Chronicles of Narnia think screw tape letters listen to what C.S. Lewis said listen close if there lurks if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and to earnestly hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing I submit that this notion crept in from Immanuel Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Listen, you understand what he just said there? That what he's saying is that, that if, if we have any idea, if we have any idea that enjoying our faith is a bad thing, that came from Immanuel Kant back in the, I think, 1800s and from all the Stoics. He says, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Listen, tell me that this isn't true. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to continue making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at sea. 
we are far too easily pleased. We're far too easily pleased. We're willing to accept a candy bar when we have a banquet laid before us. This is what I was trying to say to you. And I have people correct me. And you're wrong. I want to be in that service. You've heard me say it, right? I want to be in that service where I get to, I get to preach. And 30 people walk the aisle to trust Jesus as their Savior. That's what I'm saying when I say that. I believe that there are greater things that will happen in our midst. And we just don't understand that it's there to grasp that it's ours for the having that he wants these things to occur and yet we're happy right here as we are everything's good and nothing has to change we can keep doing the same things that we've been doing for years and years and years. We'll keep getting the same kind of results, sort of kind of successful, you know. Some of us will get old and we'll die. And on our deathbeds, we'll have some degree of happiness that we left sort of a legacy of faith to our children. We'll worry about the world as, as, because it's getting worse and worse. But we'll know that we have left behind a church. And there's nothing wrong with that. We do some good things. We do. But then we go to the huddle house. And the guy that I'm with at the huddle house mentions something about Jesus to the two girls working behind the counter and their faces light up. And they're not church people. And you see this. I hear stories of men and women whose lives have gone horribly awry. They made horrible choices. And now they have hope and a future because somehow... Someone mentioned Jesus to them and him crucified and resurrected and their life was changed. I hear stories of Chris Tower. Sorry, I didn't. I just thought about it, so I'm throwing you out there. Chris goes out to the prison ministry, to the Kairos ministry. Men in jail that you and I want nothing to do with who meet the crucified Jesus and their lives inside this penitentiary are changed. I hear the hurt and pain in people's voices when they talk about their families and their churches and I hear anger at a God that they don't understand because deep in their being they want to know they've been set free and they don't know how. But they want it. I hear from them. And I know that the answer is the cross of Christ. As for me, he says... If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. What are they drawn to? You know the verses. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, he says. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future. To give you hope. Your son needs to know that more than he needs to be able to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Your daughter needs to know that more than she knows, more than she needs to be able to get a 10 on the balance beam. Wives and husbands need this more than a new house or a new job or a new car 
or your interior design. Single people need this more than they need friends and careers. Old people need this more than a good retirement plan or the right nursing home. This is what changes lives and makes things different. We have one thing to offer Jones County, and we've got to drill that into our heads. It is not a pretty sanctuary. It's not a nice campus. It's not well-manicured lawns. We have Jesus and Jesus alone. Everybody else can give them much better than what we can give them. Any country club can do better than us. But they can't give them Jesus, and only we can do that. I want to see Jesus working more than anything in the world. I want us to see, I want us to do things that we start out doing for one reason, and as we do it, we find out that God wanted something completely different and did something different with the very work that we did. I want us to see people in our families, in our friends, that we thought were incorrigible and could never change in a million years, I want to see them weeping in repentance. When's the last time you saw somebody weep in repentance because they realized that they had fallen short of what God wanted, that they were in rebellion against him, and that he says, I love you, I'll accept you anyway. I want to see that. I want to see us, I want to see the broken people healed and broken-hearted people in love again. I want to see children's hearts turn toward their parents and parents' hearts turn toward their children. We work more and more, and I want so much for y'all to get engaged with the, with the foster, foster parent things that we do here at First Baptist. You look at these kids that come from these places that they're rejected by their parents. A lot of their parents don't mean to reject them, but their parents get tied up into drugs and everything else in the whole wide world. And what I want to see is a ministry that touches hearts of those parents, that causes those parents to be broken free from the bondage of addiction so that they can go back and get their children and their children can see the glory of God. That's what we want. Those are the kind of things that I believe he offers us and we sit on our hands because we don't know what it sounds like, what it looks like, what it could be. I want us to see Jesus lifted up and I want us to see his power before our very eyes. I want us to understand what it means to be brand new. We have nothing to offer anyone except one thing. Jesus was nailed to a cross, lifted up above so everyone could see him. He died on that cross, was buried in a tomb where he lay for three days. And on the third day, by the power of God, he defeated death and was raised back to life again so that he would experience the joy, he would be rewarded, and that we could be saved. That's all we've got to give anybody. You've got nothing else. When you're sitting with someone whose world is turned upside down, your advice and a couple of bucks will buy them a Starbucks coffee. But when you give them Jesus, then things can happen. Then life can change. Jesus said if we would serve him, the Father will honor us. I want that. I want to go home having no one call my name, having no one pat me on the back and say, you did a good job, of getting no recognition at all. 
but go home and see what happened in somebody's life because of the work that I did and you did in this place and have satisfaction in my heart that God changed their lives and he let me be a smidgen of the process. That's cool. That's cool. That's where we need to be. We want to see Jesus. Church, we have been too easily pleased. Hang on to that sentence. We have been too easily pleased. And Jesus says, there is more. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Y'all join me in the Puritans in prayer. Oh, Lord God, there is no blessing we implore, but you are able to give, has promised to give, has given already to countless multitudes, all unworthy and guilty like ourselves. Make us willing to receive the supply of our need from thy bounty. Through the law, may we die to the law. Then look with wonder, submission, and delight to the provision thou hast made for the glory of thy name and the salvation of sinners. Give us a hope that makes us not ashamed, a love that excites to holy obedience, a joy in thee that is our strength, a faith in thy son who loved us and died for us. Father, as the Puritans prayed years ago, we pray now. Give us your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've, you've got to do something with him. You have no choice. There was a man named Jesus who came to this earth who was crucified, who did die, who was resurrected. And there's more historical evidence for that than there are all sorts of other things. You've got a choice. You decide, is he the Lord that he says he is, that he is the one who came to save you from your sins and that you need to repent Put away your former way of life and say, I'll follow you wherever you go. Do that, or you can make no decision and let that decision be the decision. Or you can say no to him, but you've got to do something. You have no choice. Jesus is real, and there is no way to say he is not. You have to make a choice. And this morning, if you've never made that choice, I invite you to come down and talk to me. If, you're, if you feel his spirit working in you, and how do I know? You know then come. And for everybody else, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. You don't have to sing along. Kathy's got a good voice. She can do it real good by herself. You don't have to sing along. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, Lord, have I been too easily pleased? I know what I want. I know what I wish. I know what, Lord, what do you want? Have I been too easily pleased? pleased see what he says to you stand as we